Zakawani, the flying winger. Oh, goodness me! He doesn't need anybody, Steve Zakawani! Steve Zakawani was never fun <laughs> to stick up against. If it wasn't for Zakawani, none of this is possible. It's Steve, it's Steve. He said it again. This is so weird. Steve Zakawani! What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Winging It with Zakwani. I am Steve Zakwani, and it's a great time to be a Sounders fan or to be anyone associated with the Seattle Sounders. Coming off a very, very, very impressive win against the Colorado Rapids at the weekend. The Rapids were far from impressive. More on that later. But that's not to take away from what the Seattle Sounders actually did at the weekend. We'll talk about that. We will preview the game against Houston. It's on a Monday, which is kind of weird. I don't think I ever played on a Monday, ever. Maybe a Thursday and a Friday, but never a Monday. Um, that's a first for me seeing that. We'll preview that game. And of course, we'll have some of your questions in Ask Zach. And we'll end with the big three things. But only one place to begin. Seattle beating the Colorado Rapids at the weekend. And this was as good a performance from Seattle I've seen but with a slight asterisk because it was um, a slow start to the game, if I think back to it. And the game Seattle lost against the Philadelphia Union, the Sounders actually played better in that game than they did against the Rapids, especially in that first half. Against the Union, Seattle should have been two or three goals up easily in the first half alone and couldn't quite do it. And then, of course, it came back to bite them. Against the Rapids, it kind of a game where they they built into it. They started slow. It kind of was disjointed. And then once the team got going, Nico found his groove. Um, Victor was fantastic at finding certain spaces. Um, once Seattle got going, then it became clear that there was a massive gap between themselves and the Rapids. The Rapids did not belong on the same pitch as the Sounders. They had no defensive discipline, no team shape. No sense of style or direction of how they were going to play. They were really, really bad. And Seattle did what a good team should do in that situation and took full advantage of it. Took full advantage and made them pay. It's what you do. I had a coach who would always tell me, when, if, you give a bad, if you give a bad player time on the board, they'll show you how bad they are. If you give a good player time on the board, they'll show you how good they are. And the Rapids gave Nico Lodero and Victor Rodriguez time on the ball. And I couldn't believe it. And Nico and Victor absolutely showed Colorado how good they were. I know Brian Schmetzer does not like singling out any players because he's the coach and he's coaching the whole team. But I'm not the coach. I'm just the guy who's talking. So I'm going to single out a couple of guys from the weekend. Listen, I'm not a genius. I don't claim to be. I don't claim to be an expert, nothing like that. But before this game, I spoke at length about Victor Rodriguez. And what I said was, before he got injured, he was the Sounders' most influential attacking player. And I meant that. The games I watched him, when he was on the pitch, he's the one guy. And he's not like I was or how maybe um, Fabian Castillo from Dallas was or even like a San Anayas. He's not a guy who has so much speed. He's going to try and dribble and break you down with stepovers and cuts. But... He is the one guy on the roster who gets the ball, turns, and drives at the defensive team. 
He drives at the opposition. And that draws guys out of position because now the right back has to step. The defensive mid has to sometimes step. The center backs have to step. And when they step, they're leaving positions and spots open for Nico, for Rui Diaz, for Christian Rodin to run into, for Alonso to run into. And we saw that in abundance at the weekend. And Seattle made the Rapids pay. And it was Victor taking up so many good positions. He's a fantastic footballer. I just got to say, I love his brain. Love the way his mind works. I'm watching him as I'm there on the sideline doing my job. And the positions he's taken up, where he lines up, just kind of behind the midfield, in front of the defense, where you can't quite pick him up. The right back, Ford, for Colorado, was having an absolute nightmare. And the right winger, Martinez, was having an absolute nightmare, trying to figure out who's supposed to be marking this guy. Because he took up the position right in between them and made them decide. And whichever one stepped to him left space for other players to run into. Whether that was Nuhu, whether that was Nico, whether that was Rui Diaz. It didn't matter. But Victor was the catalyst for a lot of the good things Seattle did. And deservedly got his goal. It was a fantastic goal. And I saw the play develop and I thought, if Victor can just hold his run and Kelvin's aware enough, he can get it right back to him. And he did that and he finished it. So... Victor, I'm thankful that you made me look like I know what I'm talking about because I did single you out in the pregame show, but you're just such a fantastic footballer. And I think we were all privileged to be in the stadium to watch him at the weekend. And again, it's not a bunch of tricks and flashy things or breakneck speed going down the wing. It's just he's playing with his mind. He's two steps ahead of everyone. He's thinking the game. He's He's, he's playing one-twos with guys and he's moving into the right space and he sometimes won't even touch the ball, but he'll create space for others. And one of those others, who are also single out, is Nico. I'm a big fan of this guy because he came in, obviously, and played a big part in rescuing a 2016 season that was fading away. And then last year, I think we kind of were used to him and there wasn't as many highlight reels as we maybe have seen before from him. But He's slowly, slowly has been, since being omitted from the Uruguay squad for the World Cup, and he came back, he came back with a vengeance. And you can see his form just picking up. It's just been an uptick week to week to week. He's finding his best form, and that can only mean good things before the playoffs. If he hits his absolute best form, just as the Sounders are securing the playoffs, which somebody predicted as far back as March and April, that they will be in the playoffs and looks like they're going to be, if he finds his best form, then of course Seattle's chances go all the way up because he, again, is a guy who, he does it more on the ball. Nico's not really trying to find spaces to open up for others. He's finding spaces for himself, but that's also okay because once he gets the ball, I don't know many players that can do what he does. Valeri reminds me of it at times, especially in his early years here in the league, but a guy who just picks the ball up and if you make a run, he's going to find you or at least come very, very close to finding you. Those two were fantastic at the weekend. The Rapids, I'll be honest with you, it may be, and I'm probably going to go home and think about this, but I'm going to say it, I'm going to speak and then think later. It may be the single worst performance I've seen from a team at CenturyLink Field. It, it, it has to be. I can't remember a time when I was watching a game or in a game and a team was just that bad. And it's not bad just because they got beat. Like, I didn't for one second think they were going to do anything of note. I didn't for one second understand what they were trying to do tactically. 
They never once adjusted once they saw how Victor was killing them or coming inside. They struggled to string together three, four passes consistently. They worked hard, they ran hard, but there was no direction. And a team as good as Seattle playing as well as Seattle played was going to tear you apart always in that situation. So the Rapids, I, I don't have the words for it. It just was was very tough to watch, but it was bearable because of the show put on by Victor Rodriguez and Nico Rodero and the rest of the guys. That brings us to Houston on Monday, and it's kind of tough to know this far ahead what's going to happen um, with the international break because Houston have two of the best wingers in the league, and those guys may go with the national team. And if they go with the national team, that's a big break for the Sounders. If they don't, then you got to pay attention because that is how Houston win games in the wide areas. They have two wingers, Kyoto and Elise, I believe, who are among the best in the league just because they're so direct. And they've heard the Sounders before when they first came, I remember. I think it was the opening game of 2017 season, if I'm not mistaken. But they'll just go and go and go and go. And because Seattle loves to get their width from the outside, it's Kelvin Laydam, it's Brad Smith, or it's Kelvin Laydam, it's Nuhu. The wingers for Seattle in Brian Schmetzer's system, they tuck in, Victor come inside. And on the right, whether it's Nico or Christian, you come inside. Brian Schmetzer demands that his left back and his right back be the team's width. You get up and down that line. That's good. But when you're playing against wingers who can exploit the space you leave in behind, that's dangerous. Because if Kelvin goes and the Sounders turn the ball over and Houston counterattacks, you're not catching Houston's wingers. So you have to think twice. So on Monday night, it's going to be very intriguing to watch that territorial battle contingent on those guys actually being there. But that's the danger. That's what would scare me about Houston. They're probably out of the playoffs. Probably. I think mathematically, they may still have a chance, but they're out. But sometimes that's when a team can be most dangerous. So this game's going to be won and lost in the wide areas if Houston plays their full team, has their players available. And it's about winning that territorial battle. It's about Ledam and Nuhu forcing the wingers to defend them. You attack and force them to defend you. I used to hate when a right back would be aggressive and make me defend them. Sometimes you'd call their bluff and not track them back. And then when they turn the ball over, you have a 20, 30 yard head start for the counter attack. But that's going to be one to watch. I still fancy Seattle, I think at home. Um, between the Houston game and the San Jose game, the remaining two home games, it has to be six points. And then you, if you pick up three points on the road, you'll be in very good shape, not just in terms of being in the playoffs, but in terms of also seeding, potentially. So that's where Seattle has to be headed to and thinking about right now, I would say. Much more when we return. We have a couple of questions in Ask Zach, and I will have Will Bruin joining me on the podcast. I've been wanting to sit down with Will for a while, so it'll be great to sit down with Will Bruin. We'll get his thoughts on his time in Seattle so far, this season in particular, and the battle for the number nine spot between him and Rui Diaz as well. Stay tuned. Much more on Winging It with Zach Wally. Adam. Looking towards Rui Diaz. Little flick. It 
was coming, Keith. It was just Minnesota was just shooting themselves in the foot. It's exactly what the Sounders have deserved and exactly what Minnesota United has deserved for the way they've defended in this second half. That reaction says it all. I see a few memes of that later on on social media from Ryan Spencer, almost willing the ball over the line. I'm glad to say I'm now joined on the podcast with Will Bruin. Hey, Will, what's up, me. man? Not much, man. Glad to be on it. But, um, the first thing I want to ask you is just, has the season been as weird to you guys as to the rest of us? Because it was such a bad start. Yeah. Then you go on this historic run that I can't even explain how you win nine games in a row in this league, especially. And then you lose two in a row. Yeah. And then you smack Colorado. So has it been weird for you guys as well? For sure. Um, it's been, you know, peaks and valleys, the way I like to say it this year. It's been a lowest of the lows. <laughs> Pretty high in the highs, but, you know, there's still four games left. So Yeah. How would you describe personally, individually for you, um, your overall time in Seattle so far? For me, if I can say it, yeah. I think it's if someone had asked me when you first signed, I think you've done better than what I would have answered. Yeah. You feel the no, same? No, I agree. I think last year I did well. Um, this year, as of right now, I'm a little disappointed with how um, I've been producing and playing lately. But, you know, that, that happens. It's professional sports. So I need to uh, stick stick with it, you know, keep fixing it on the training pitch but you know i'm very pleased with with being here and and how it's how it's gone the last year and a half almost two years but there was, there was a time the team was struggling but i mean you had your five goals six goals whatever it was um had the team been doing better that may have been given more spotlight to that as well because it's hard yeah. to score in a struggling team and you were doing that yeah i mean i'm at six goals right now overall and last goal was minnesota it seems like an eternity ago for me um you know as a striker you want to score every game. You want to score every time you're on the field. And, um, you know, personally, I feel like I've been putting too much pressure on myself to do that. So right now I'm just, you know, new mentality. Go out, have fun on the pitch. And uh, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, just try to play well. I've played the game as well, obviously, yeah. and I know how it goes. Um, you have on one balance what all team players want a team to do well. On another balance, you have individual goals and things you want to do. Um, how do you find that balance between, especially when a team's playing 4 2 three, one, there's one striker role. Yeah. You want to be that guy. You're yeah. doing well. If you're out of the team, how do you stay engaged for the team, but also show the coaches that, hey, I need to be out there? Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, that, that's that's the tough part of it. That's the mental grind every day, yeah. um, week in and week out. You know, with the one forward, we've had a lot of success. Um, so I think, I don't think we need to veer from that right now. Um, you know, Raul's been playing great up there. But like you said, every forward wants to be playing. And, um, you know, it's not like I'm going to go out and play on the wings. So that, that uh, one, one spot right there is where I, want to be, where I want to be playing. And I think that, you know, it just comes down to putting the work in at training, pushing Raul, pushing the guys at training every week so they stay sharp. And if I keep them staying sharp, then that's good for the team. If someone talks about Will Bruin, they'll probably think, you know, good size, target forward, good of his head and stuff. I would say in Seattle, you've shown there's, a, there's more to your game than that. Yeah. Especially at times when like Jordan would be out and the team wouldn't really change their style. You'd be chasing balls into the channel and having to combine with Clint because the way he likes yeah. to play. Would you agree or would you say that there is a lot more to your game than you maybe get credit for? I I think there's more to my game than I get credit for sometimes. Um, you know, people look at me, big guy. They're like, oh, just <laughs> lob it up to him, have him hold. You know, personally, I'd rather play. I'd rather have the ball on the floor combining and playing one-two touch and yeah. getting in behind. But... Um, you know, sometimes they like to lean on me as being a traditional target forward, hold it, get battered, and that's fine. But, you know, um, it's a tough one for me because I would prefer 
to pat it on the ground, moving, combining, one-two touch. But if I have to do it, I'll do it. And sometimes it's not as good as it should be for as big as I am. But, you know, that's just that's just how I am. <laughs> I remember, I think, after one of the MLS cuts, maybe it was the most recent one, um, your dad actually came up to me and said to me <laughs> <Of course>. that. <laughs> yeah. Of course he did. He actually just left town this <laughs> And he told me, reminded me about a game in college. Oh, we yeah. played, do you remember that game? I think we played against He's, you guys. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you guys beat us. And I've forgotten <laughs> about beat us every year. And I, <laughs> <laughs> You're and I've, for, I've forgotten about that. But um, talk about your, your time in college, right, um, India. How? Yeah. yeah. What's your memories in college? It seems like an eternity to go. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it was great. I think you know, playing at Indiana really kind of prepped me for the mental aspect and you know the grind of the professional um career this is my eighth year um you know so i think that was very good we had a lot of battles with you guys in akron just you know really close neighbors you guys always knocked us out in the (laughs) sweet 16 or elite eight and then i leave early and oh what do you know a year or two later they win the national championship (laughs) so my a bunch of my fifth year roommates love to still give me trouble for that they're put their ring in my face sweet. Um, no but it was it was good you know Speaking of that, I'm actually in the middle of my final class. Oh wow! At Indiana, I'm finally done, so oh, I'll be a, I'll huge. be a twelve full year <laughs> college graduate soon enough. So I'm I'm excited about that to be done with it. That's amazing! And congrats, that. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, exactly. That's absolutely big time, man! Wow! Congrats on that. Thank you. Um, on Monday, the Sounders play Houston, your former team, mm-hmm. obviously. What are your memories from there? And it, it, maybe I'm wrong, but it kind of seemed like it ended weird. I don't know why. Yeah, I can, you know, when I think of my time in Houston, it was great. I can, I break it down into kind of two categories. And what the first category is the Dom Kinnear era. And then yeah. the second, second category was Owen Coyle. Um, yeah. And then him leaving and Wade taking over and then Wilmer coming in. So that was, you know. It was fun. If you would tell me I would have been there six years, I would have said that's a long time to stay in one place. Yeah. But, you know, I'm very, very happy with it. I had, I think I got off on a good foot there. And then, you know, I had a few rough years and it, it happens. And maybe I didn't treat it the way I should have. Maybe I took things too personal <laughs> when I was younger. And, you know, that's what you live and learn with. So, um, you know, I, I, I really, I think playing in Houston really kind of cemented how I play in this league and you know yeah. I'm trying to hopefully change that a little bit here in Seattle because <laughs> of the style the way the team was yeah 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 that makes absolute sense um here in Seattle off the pitch how have you found like the city your life off the pitch with your family and stuff how have you enjoyed that side yeah of it? it's great you know we sit here doing this it's October everybody says it's rainy and sale it's sunny it's, it's nice, beautiful huh? yeah. um you know I we love it here my wife and I love it here um great city we've had more visitors here in the last year and a half than we had in six years in, in houston <laughs> so that shows you that everybody wants to come visit and see things and um you know traffic is not fun but yeah you know that's any big city yeah. um but you know it's been great being able to you know just go around downtown and we're up in ballard ballard's great yes. they, uh, it's just the whole place nice. is great. who's been your roommate on the road you know, it was Clint. It was Clint for all last year until he, he retired. And I think Harry, it's Harry now. Okay. And then, of course, he picked up a little knock. So I'm just kind of kind of, <laughs> kind of a free agent in, in the room. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know if guys are trying to stay away from me or if guys want to be with me. I'll say they want to be with me, though. Um, let's close with this. So four games left. The playoffs obviously the focus. It looks like you guys will probably be in. Seeding becomes important. Um, what has to be like the mindset, the mentality as you approach kind of this final, final stretch? We there's no no time for mental lapses now. This is like you said, the final, final stretch. The last four games. This yeah. is where you can jump up to a top two yeah. um, seed and really miss that playing game because that's huge. That really is that really makes a big difference. Um, but you know, I think it's making sure we're focused for full ninety minutes, trying to 
cut back on the mental lapses, which I think we've done a very good job of, and closing games out. And I think that's a good recipe going into the playoffs that can lead to success. I actually want to ask you this because I was yeah. thinking about this. I was talking to James Riley about this uh-huh. and whether the league is better now than it was kind of when we first came in. Because yeah. on one hand, the league was smaller, less teams. I think the rosters were smaller. Yeah. So you think there's less jobs, only the best players are getting through. Yeah. But now there's bigger budgets, bigger this. I tend to be on the side of, I think the league's a lot better, I, personally. Yeah. But where do you fall on I that? agree with you. Yeah. I think the league's a lot better. I mean, your point of there were less teams, less roster spots, Less available, less spots yeah. in general. So um, the better guys will come through. But I think with making more positions, more teams, bigger roster spots, that's attracted a lot more talent into the league. And I think, you know, the top 15, 18 um, players on each roster is very competitive. Yeah. And, you know, even getting into the 18 is very competitive. So I think that's a big stride because yeah. there were times early in my career when I was in Houston, we, we literally couldn't even fill out an 18 yeah. just because of injuries and yeah. stuff. So I think now you're seeing more and more guys not making the 18 that want to make the 18. So I think the overall quality and everything is going up. Yeah, I agree with that. Can the 2018 Sounders, are they good enough to win MLS Cup? For sure, for sure. I I mean, you look at this roster on paper, um, very, very, very good. Every year it seems to be that this team gets better and better. And, you know, it's it's tough to stay consistently, um, you know, towards the top. And I think we've done a good job of of making sure we do that. But like I said, on paper, the team is one of the best in the league. We just need to go out and execute. And I think that this last week's game against Colorado is how we can play. And, um, you know, we just got to, it's really important for us to make sure we're mentally focused coming into every game. Because when we're on our game mentally, we're one of the best teams in the league. Couldn't agree more. Will, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Always great. We'll be back with much more on the podcast. Stay tuned. Winging it with Zach Owali. has a goal and an assist today and you know pretty dynamic play down the wings you obviously have been big on singing his praises this year but what's it like now that he's contributing on the stat sheet to, to get him kind of back in the action as you're looking down the end of the season well it's always nice when players can see look at the stat sheet and see their name on it uh, for us coaches it's maybe perhaps not as important maybe for you journalists maybe it, it, it rings something a little different that he's playing better uh, I think what you see is just a quality player. Oh, it's I. I needed. I needed this this game. I needed the wrestle. I needed this goal. Uh, I think it's it's very important for for me for for the team, and, but especially for me. I I have a, a hard season with a lot of injuries, and I need uh, this this game and with uh, support the our fans and with the help to, to my, my teammates. It's very important for, for me and I'm very happy for today. Thanks again to Will Bruin for joining us on the podcast. It's always great, of course, when we get access to the guys and can just talk to them, just have a conversation. And then I'm sure it's great for the listeners to kind of get inside the minds of these players and get to know their personalities a little bit and Will has been fantastic for Seattle since being here um, I believe probably even better than he would have thought when he first signed back at the start of 2017 ask Zach question who should the Sounders want to see in the playoffs that's a good question there's many ways to answer this because want can be 
do you want the team that you're most likely to beat? Sure. One could be, do you want the matchup that's going to really get the guys up for it? Say Seattle versus Portland? Sure. One could be, do you want the so-called best team in the conference, which at this point would be Dallas or Kansas, who are at the top, so we can knock them off and prove that we are actually on that level. So there's a lot of ways to approach that as a player. I had a different way of looking at it as well. But let me approach this from the first one, which is who the Sounders would be most likely to be. I don't fear anybody in the West. In a one-off game, you know, if you're going on the road in a playing game or something, it can be tough, um, of course. But I don't fear anybody. I don't fear LAFC. I think they have a very good attack, but they're vulnerable. And um, with this being their first year, they, they haven't experienced the playoffs yet. The playoffs is a different intensity. It's a different ball game altogether. It's very, very different. So... I wouldn't be afraid of LAFC. FC Dallas, I mean, they've won the support showed like 50 times and then they always fade. So maybe they've grown, maybe they've matured, but I wouldn't be afraid of Dallas over two games or even one game. And Seattle's had Dallas's number in the recent years in the playoffs. Um, obviously, Portland is tough. Just because it's a rivalry game, it's a derby game, it's gone both ways in years past, that's a tough one. That would be probably the toughest one just because of all it entails. But I don't think the Sounders should be fearing anybody as they approach what looks like, looks like another playoff appearance. The big three things. Number one, the international break disruption. This is one of the sad things of MLS not following the FIFA calendar. Um, no other league or team in the world really is dealing with this because they don't play during FIFA windows. The Sounders are playing Houston, they're playing Orlando, and they're likely, likely going to do at least one of the games, maybe both, without Nico Lodero. Rui Diaz, question mark. Gustav Svensson, question mark. This is the downside to being a good team. When your team starts doing well, national team coaches start looking when they start looking, they start taking your players. When they take your players and you don't follow a FIFA calendar, you're going to miss important games. And these are the most important games of the season coming up. They're trying to close the year up. It's tough because, you know, can you play a FIFA calendar in the States? The weather in some places. I mean, who wants to play in Minnesota in January or Chicago in December? It, it, it's It's tough. But... That's the big downside, and it's going to be a massive, massive, massive disruption. This past weekend, I sat down and I watched an MLS game from start to finish that didn't involve the Sounders, and it was New York Red Bulls against Atlanta. I was disappointed because Brady Wright Phillips wasn't playing. I was enjoying watching him play, but those two teams made me just think how the balance of power has shifted. I don't know when exactly it happened, but it has. When I played, the Western Conference was always better. The Western Conference teams were better. They were tougher. They were the better teams. We were better than the Eastern Conference. Now, I don't think anyone in the West is as good as Atlanta. Atlanta was my pick at the start of the year for the Supporters Shield um, and to be in the MLS Cup Final from the East. And that looks like a solid bet. I mean, they got beat at the weekend. That's a dangerous team. It's a very, very dangerous team. They're solid from front to back. The same with the Red Bulls who beat Atlanta without their best player, Bradley Wright Phillips. So when you look at it from that perspective, 
those for me would be the two strongest teams in the league. I don't think anyone in the West is as close. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can tweet me, of course. Um, if it's positive, if it's negative, tweet the Sounders official account. Um, but I don't know that anyone's as good as those Eastern Conference teams. And in NYCFC, they've fallen off a lot since Vieira left. I do know that. Fallen off a lot since Patrick Vieira left. But they were really strong at one point. And in the West, I, you know, Dallas has been okay. They're at the top, you know. Kansas is, you know, a typical Peter Vermees team. They play a lot more now than they used to in terms of trying to keep, keep the ball on the ground, play out of the back, a lot more one-twos and combinations rather than just being physical. But it's a strong team from start, from front to back. Um, it's the way Peter Vermees builds his team. Um, you have the Sounders there who had a horrid start to the year and now hit form and won a bunch of games, lost a couple, now just beat the Rapids. And, you know, Seattle, if they're at the best, can beat anyone, of course. But it's about finding that consistency, the Timbers have been up and down, whereas the two leaders in the East look to be a step above everyone else right now. Of course, it's going to change in the playoffs, but the Eastern Conference definitely is the stronger of the two conferences right now, and that can always change. Number three, somewhat related, but not really, but kind of, the support shield. I was thinking, because those two teams are playing for top spot in the East and also for the support shield, but should we care? Because it's not rewarded. You know, they call it the supporter shield because it's for the fans, you know, the fans ask for it. And I think they want that prestige of being the number one team over the course of 34 games. Who is the best team in the league? If you're the most consistent over 34 games, you're the best team in the league. I know it's not, it's not a balanced schedule, but it's as close as we have it to knowing who the actual best team is because the MLS Cup is a six-week competition. You get hot at the right time, you can win it and that's what's rewarded. So of course, we're going to care about that and we should, but the support shield for me should be way more valued by fans, players, front offices, the league. It should be just as big of a deal. There's no reason why not because it is how football has always been decided. It's just who is the best team over the course of the year. 34 games is a massive, massive sample size. And as a player, I would love the challenge of trying to be number one over that time. The schedule's not balanced, so that's tough, but that's the challenge I would love. But because we value MLS Cup so much, and that's who the champions, quote unquote, are, you then have to look at that as well. So the question for me is, is there a way to put both kind of at the same level and support should be such a big deal, get massive rewards. Um, and then the MLS cup also be just as big as well and get certain rewards as well. But we have, we have to upplay, not downplay the support should a lot more, I think, because that's a true measure of who is the best team in the country. We're back next week. Hopefully, 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 celebrating another three points for the Sounders. One step closer towards the playoffs and good seeding because that's starting to get important now as well. The placement of where you finish with teams like the Galaxy hot on the Sounders' heels because of Zlatan who just keeps and keeps on scoring. We'll be back next week. Thanks as always for tuning in. I am Steve Zakawani. Thanks again for Warburin for stopping by. This has been Winging It with Zakawani. Until next time. <laughs>